0: Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. Listen, there's no question this morning that God desires to do something special. Holy Spirit's been <clears throat> dealing with me for about two weeks about, about Christians walking in the power of the resurrection. It is good to talk about and it's good to preach about the fact that Jesus died and rose again on the third day. It's exciting. It's good to talk about it. It's good to read it in the Word. It's good to talk about Jesus. It's good to talk about His love for us and all of that. All those things are good. You see, the thing about The resurrection is this. I used this scripture last week out of 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul said, If in this life only we had hope of the resurrection, we would be of all men most miserable. So when we talk about the power of the resurrection, if it had not been for the resurrection, everything that Christ did before that would have been null and void. All his claims would have been null and void. All his claims about being the Son of God would have been nullified. You see, the resurrection sealed the fact that Jesus was who he said he was. But here's something else. For us, listen. this is where we are. For us, Jesus has already done it. He already rose from the dead. He's already defeated the dead. Death. He's already taken away the sting of death. He's already done that. But for us, the resurrection set some boundaries. For us, The resurrection said to the devil, these are boundaries that you can no longer cross. The resurrection set a boundary for the devil that said, we have a power that you have never experienced. Those of us who walk in the power of the resurrection we're preaching a message and delivering a message to hell that I am unstoppable. You might think that you've got me down. You might think that you have defeated me. You might think that you have beat me up, but the power of the resurrection still (laughs) abides in me. See, ladies and gentlemen, the thing is that we've got to walk in that power it's just simply walking in it it's not about walking in a feeling or walking in an emotion but it's about walking in what Christ has already done so I want to talk to you a little bit about that this morning because I believe today that God is wanting to do something And give revelation to somebody. Because here's the thing, guys. Here's the thing. The reality of it is this. Thank you, worship team. I'm sorry. Thank you so much. I tell you what, go ahead and take your seat. How about that? Here's the thing. The culture that we're living in, the world that we're living in today, with as many churches and as many, quote, Christians that are walking around, we should be a nation of people that are on fire for God. But in on the flip side of that, instead of being on fire for God, we're seeing the enemy rise up more and more and suppress the Word of God. And I want to give you one simple thing here. I want to give you one simple thing. The devil, listen to me, the devil will never, ever, ever tell you to worship Jesus. The devil will never whisper to your spirit, why don't you just stand up? And lift your hands to Jesus. The devil will never, ever tell you, maybe you need to pray. Only the voice of God, only the voice of Holy Spirit will call you to do things that will bring honor and glory to him. Why am I saying that? I'm saying it because of this. If I respond to the voice of God when he speaks, I put myself in a place where his anointing and his blessing can begin to flow in my life. It's just like Amber was saying. Moses responded to something that God put in front of him. It was his response to what he saw that brought the anointing of God over his life and revealed his destiny and purpose. See, I can, I can twist your arm. I, I can come back there and put a hold on you and twist your arm and, and pretty much cause you to do anything I wanted you to do. Some of y'all said, just let him try it. Judy said, just, you just try it. But I could force you to do it. I could force you to respond to God. And you would, you would respond, but when you walk out the door, you'll forget what you responded to. But when you respond to the voice of God, it's a whole different world. <clears throat> So I want you to take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to the book of John, chapter 11. John chapter 11, because I, I really think that God wants to speak to us through this. And I'm not going to be long, because we've heard, we've heard a couple of two or three good messages already. Amen? Amen. But John chapter 11, <clears throat> it's the story of Lazarus. And, and how that uh, Martha and Mary and Lazarus were brothers and sisters and Lazarus became sick. And Martha and Mary sent word to Jesus that uh, Lazarus was sick. And John chapter 11 and verse 3 says that they sent to him saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard this, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. And then it says again, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. I want you to notice in that, that's not where I'm going to preach from, but I want you to notice the fact that the Bible says that they, they sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is sick. And then in verse 5, it says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So I want to talk to you uh, this morning on uh, on this subject of the power of a resurrected life. But the title of the message that I want to bring to you this morning is this. I was carried into this, but I'm going to walk out of it. I want you to get that I don't title a lot of my messages but this is one that Holy Spirit gave me and it is this I was carried into this but I'm going to walk out of it all right I was carried into it but I'm going to walk out of it by the way the name Lazarus means God is my help and I'm talking to people this morning that perhaps in your life, you have been caught up in something. You've been, you've, you've gotten, you found yourself in something. And I'm not going to start naming things or all of that. You know where you are. You know what you're going through. Uh, but you've gotten caught up. You ever been in something that just carried you along? Kind of like being, uh, if you've ever been in the creek or something or in the river and, and you find yourself in a swift place where the water's running fast, and you get caught up in that, and it just carries you along. Yeah. Or it's kind of like a rip current uh, at the beach. You're swimming, and everything is going good, and all of a sudden you get caught in this rip current. And uh, that rip current begins to carry you in a direction that you don't want to go. And many people, the reason that many people drown when they get caught up in a rip current is because they try to fight against this rip current. They try, they try to, to fight against it, but I've heard, I've never been in one, but I've been told that if, you'll, if you won't fight against it and just kind of swim uh, alongside the shore that you'll eventually get out of it. But so many people panic and when they panic that's when they begin to make decisions that are detrimental but we've been carried along Lazarus was sick in other words Lazarus uh, something uh, attacked Lazarus body that carried him in a place and in a way that he did not want to go he was carried along with this sickness and the Lord began to deal with me this past week that there were people that were being carried along with things that they were wanting to get out of it, but they didn't know how to stop it. They didn't know how to get away from it. Now, uh, I want you to go on down to, uh, in that same chapter to verse 37 because this is the, the scripture that I wanted to read to you. And, and I'm going to say a little bit, and then I'm going to close part two. Verse 37, now this is when <clears throat> Jesus tarried for a few days, and now he has come, uh, and he's realized uh, that uh, Lazarus has been dead for several days. Martha and Mary have already met him. Uh, They've already talked to him. They've already said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died and all of that. And and so uh, now Jesus has has come and uh, he's standing uh, at the tomb of Lazarus or at the grave of Lazarus. The Bible says in verse 37, there were people that were standing around where this was taking place and they looked at Jesus and they said, Could not this man, which opened the eyes of the blind, have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus, therefore, again groaning in himself, came to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. And Jesus said, Take ye away the stone." And Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said unto him, Lord, by this time he stinks, stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus said unto her, Said I not unto thee that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank Thee that Thou hast heard me. And I knew that Thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that Thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth bound, hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. And Jesus said unto them, Loose him and let him go. Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for the power of your word. Now, Father, let your word go forth today. Lord, let it be received. Lord, let it find uh, good ground. And Lord, this morning, I thank you today that, Father, you are calling men and women out of their place of death and dryness. And God, this morning... Father, we thank you for your voice that's being heard loud and clear in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Listen, in Ephesians, and I want to give you just a few scriptures this morning. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1 says this, And you, and you hath he quickened. That word quickened means made alive. And you hath he made alive who was dead in trespasses and sins. All of us, when we're born, we're born into sin. We're we're born sinners. That's the reason that nobody had to teach you to tell a lie. Nobody had to teach you to be bad. You were bad all by yourself. All right? All right? Uh, Autumn and Corey are are at home today, and they're uh, adjusting Ellis is adjusting, uh, to a a new little brother. And he is a beautiful, handsome, young baby, boy. All right? And, And he is sweet as he can be and all of that. But he was born when he was born. He was born in sin. All right? David said, in sin my mother had me we're all born in sin every one of us we're born with a nature to sin all right and and the bible just said in ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1 that uh we were all dead in trespasses and sins doesn't matter how good you were Doesn't matter how innocent you might have been, we were all born in sin and we were all dead. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, all right? So I was born in sin. I was born a sinner. I thought I was a pretty good individual and all of that, but fact is I was a sinner. Sinner, all right? So you hear people that say, well, you can't judge me because I am doing what I was born to do. Chew on that a little bit. Yes, you are doing exactly what you were born to do. You are sinning. Because you were born to sin. Thank Adam and Eve for that. They're the ones that messed it all up. And in your bloodline, in your gene pool, is sin. That is the reason that you see an alcoholic that seems to reproduce alcoholics. That's the reason that you see abusive Moms or abusive dads, they tend to reproduce to some extent abusive children because sin carries down from one generation to another. We were all born sin. I am naturally a sinner. Whether you are a liar or an adulterer or a homosexual, or whatever you might be, it, it is because you are sinner. All right? and yet, and, and, and so people do what they were born to do. Are you getting what I'm saying? Amen. Do I need to move on? Good, okay, all right, I'll move on. See, that is the reason that we need to be born again. Because if I had not been born again, I would continually be living in the sin that I was born in. That means that I was very mean and very angry and all of that, and and, and I uh, was a sinner. But because I recognized that I needed... Uh, Jesus, I was born again. When I became born again, that old sin nature was done away with. That old sinful uh, mindset of mine was done away with. And, I, and now I can say that as because I've been born again, the old man is dead and the new man has come on. That's the reason that I don't react to things like I used to react to them. I don't talk like I used to talk. I don't look at things like I used to look at them. Because Jesus quickened me. He quickened me in my sin and made me alive and caused me to be able to get free from the trespass of sin. Romans chapter 6 and verse 5 says this, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, talking about baptism, we shall be also in the likeness of His resurrection. When we baptize someone, that means that they have already been born again. But the picture that baptism paints is that the old man goes down into a watery grave and is brought up a new person. Baptism doesn't save us, does it? But what baptism does is baptism is an outward show of an inward change. We've all heard that before. All right? You can be, you can be baptized so much till you become waterlogged and still be a sinner. You can go down a wet devil and come up, a we- uh, go down a dry devil and come up a wet devil. Hey, Baptism within itself is nothing unless there's been an inward change. But when I make that inward change and I lay myself down in that watery grave, I come out a resurrected child of God. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed. That henceforth we should not serve sin any longer, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 12 says, We're buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who raised him from the dead. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm a resurrected child of God. Listen. Understand this, and and, and the reason I'm giving you all of this is that that this story of Lazarus paints paints a picture for us to see. I don't believe that the story of Lazarus is talking about how it's going to be Uh, When Jesus comes back and everybody resurrects. But I believe rather that this story of Lazarus is, is a picture for us to see as born-again Christians that so many times we get carried along with things that we lose control of that. We lose our ability to control things and we wind up in a grave, in a, in a place of death that we cannot get out of. And because that we find ourselves in that place of death that we have lost control of ourselves and we get there, then the devil begins to beat us up because we don't have the anointing, we don't have the power that we need to get out of those places and we lose our ability to have an influence on those around us. And I believe this story of Lazarus paints us a picture and lets us see that God is, God is wanting us to get the, the revelation that he is wanting to bring us out of that place of deadness. And the Bible says that, that Jesus came to uh, Lazarus' tomb that day. And, and he stood there and, and he looked and here was Lazarus that had been in the grave for four days and, and in the heat of that uh, climate was probably already decaying and stinking. But Jesus stood there. And, and the Bible says that Jesus loved Lazarus. And I want to tell somebody here this morning that, that you might be in a grave and you might be in a place in your life where you feel like that you don't have any control of the situation and you feel like that that you're losing ground and, and the stone has already been rolled to the front door of your tomb and that you're dying a slow death but I want to tell you something that sets you apart from everybody else around you and that is the fact that Jesus loves you listen as long as I know that I am loved by the father that sets me apart from everybody else The devil might beat me up. The devil might tell me that I'm not going to make it. The enemy might tell me that my children's not going to make it. But as long as I know that I am loved by the Father, I know that I might find myself in a graveyard somewhere. I might find myself even in a tomb somewhere. But because I am loved by the Father, it lets me know that there's going to be a day he will not leave my soul in hell He will come and pull me out from my darkness. The Bible says that Jesus came down uh, to the grave that day and and there was Lazarus in the tomb and Martha and Mary standing outside and, and all the people that were weeping. And this... This faith that we saw it in Martha when she said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Mary repeated what Martha said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And the people that were standing around the the grave that day said, Could not this man that opened the eyes of the blind, could not he have caused that even this Lazarus would not have died if he had been here? That is called a faith that says if God had done this, this wouldn't have happened. It is a faith that is a preventive faith. Let me tell you something about the preventive faith the preventive faith says this god i believe that you're going to prevent this from happening that preventive faith was what martha said lord if you had been here this wouldn't have happened it's what mary said lord if you'd been here this would not have happened it is a preventive faith all of us in here today you've got a preventive faith You've got a faith to believe that when the storm has forecast to come our way, you've got a faith that says, God, you're going to take care of me. Am I right? When somebody calls you and says, I'm sick or, or something like that, or I've gotten a, a bad report from the doctor, a preventive faith says, God, you are going to take care of this. Am I right? A preventive faith is what Psalm 91 talks about, that he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And it goes on down and talks about that pestilences and all these things will not come nigh my door. That is a preventive faith. That is a faith that says, God, because I belong to you, you are going to protect me and take care of me. But can I tell you this this morning? That even with that prevented faith, sometimes Lazarus winds up in a graveyard. Even with my prevented faith, sometimes I find myself in a place in my life, Winston, that I did not want to be, and I feel like that God might have forgotten about me there. I feel like that my prayer was not answered. I feel like that my faith was not as strong as it should have been, or else I would not have been there. It was a prevented faith. And unfortunately, there are many people in church that they're angry and they're mad this morning because you had a preventive faith that something was not going to happen, but yet it happened. And you do not understand why God turned His back on you and did not answer your prayer. But can I tell you something this morning? Jesus said this about Lazarus. He said, this, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. I'm going to preach anyway. I don't care uh, whether you say amen or not. I'm going to preach myself happy, all right? I've been walking through hell all week, so I'm going I'm to put my foot on hell today and, and listen. Listen. You need to understand what Jesus, listen, heaven is always looking at it through different eyes than I am. Everybody else was worried, oh, Lazarus is gone and all that. And Jesus said, this sickness is not unto death, but it is for the glory of God. Look at somebody and say the glory of God. Sometimes the glory of God's not easy to handle. Sometimes the glory of God, you will find yourself in a place and you say, God, where is your glory? Where, God, I don't understand why I'm here. I don't understand what's going on in my life. But Jesus is saying, don't worry. This is not unto death, but it's for the glory of God. I don't understand, God, why this is happening. I had a faith that said, Lord, this pestilence is not going to come nigh my door i had a faith that said the devil is a liar i had faith that said the weapons of my warfare are not carnal but they're mighty through god to the pulling down of strongholds and, and i had a faith that said that the blood of jesus has drawn a line around my family but but god they've uh, the enemy has attacked my family i had a faith that said uh that i can move mountains but god this mountain is yet before me i don't understand I had that preventive faith, but God, I don't understand why I am finding myself laying in a graveyard in the tomb of of, of death and, and, and coldness and all that around me. See, there's two kinds of faith that's in this story. There's a preventive faith, and then there's what I call a now faith. A present faith. See, that prevented faith was what Martha and Mary had. But then there's this now faith or present faith. And, and I'll give you an example of that. I told you I wasn't going to be long. I've got four minutes. Poor pastor. He can't even get one word out in four minutes. I'm sorry. But an example of this now faith is, is, can be found in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 25 when the disciples and Jesus was on the boat and they were going across to the other side of the sea. The Bible says that Jesus was asleep in the back of the boat and the disciples were out uh, in, the, in the boat and the Bible says a storm came up. And the Bible says that as the storm came up that the, the, the disciples began to panic. They began to say, Lord, we're going to perish. We're going to go down. The ship's going to go down. And they ran back and they woke Jesus out of the sleep and said, Master, you've got to do something because we're about to go down. Jesus got up. Jesus got up. Walked out and rebuked the wind, and it stopped. See, I believe that what God is saying to us today is there are times that the preventive faith won't prevent what you're wanting it to prevent. But the important thing is having a faith with you in the boat that says, I'm in a storm. My ship's taking on water. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this, but I know there's one with me that he didn't prevent the storm he didn't turn the wind the other way. I'm in the middle of the storm right now, but I know that the one who is with me, I've got a very present help in time of need. I prayed against the storm, but the storm is on me now. So I'm not going to get mad at heaven. I'm not going to stomp my feet and stomp out of the church and turn my back on God. I'm not going to get mad at the pastor. I'm not going to get mad at the worship team because their worship didn't bring the glory of God down in my storm. I'm in the middle of this storm, and the wind is blowing, and the rain is falling, and my ship is being torn from side to side but there's one thing that I know that I've got a very present help with me right now he is my present help in time of need you see what Jesus was speaking to them that day was you don't understand he is not dead he is just merely sleeping I am the resurrection and the life I'm not tomorrow's resurrection in life. I'm not yesterday's resurrection in life. I am now. My goodness, understand this that that listen just because you got it yesterday, you still got it today. Listen, if you're not careful, the devil will have you in a tomb. He'll have the stone rolled in front of the tomb, and he'll be counting you out. One, two, three. You see, back then, they thought superstition that for four days, the spirit of a person hovered around their tomb. And after four days, the spirit did not enter back into their body and they come back alive, it would leave. That's the reason probably that Jesus got there four days later. Because man said, he's dead. He ain't going to come out of there. It's too late. He stinketh by now. That's what the enemy is telling some of you. You're dead. You're never going to be what God has called you to be. Moses, you'll never get to your destiny. You'll never find your purpose because I am going to deal with you. I put you in a place of death, and that's where you're going to be. This addiction is going to destroy your life. This this sin that you've got is going to rob you of your destiny. Jesus walks up. And I'm closing. Jesus walks up, and here he is standing before the tomb. And he tells the people, Roll the stone away. I don't know who you are this morning. But you can't deal with what you're dealing with by yourself. That's the reason that God has connected you with people that know how to pray. Because there were two things that Jesus did not do at the tomb of Lazarus. One of them was he did not roll the stone away. As a matter of fact, he looked at somebody else and said, Will you roll the stone away? In other words, roll the stone away so that my voice can get to the one that's on the inside. Because I'm going to speak, and when I speak, the one that's on the inside is going to come out where the stone was. So I need somebody to roll the stone away. You see, we need some stone rollers in the church. I want you to get the picture of that. The, the, the stone roller just simply rolled the stone away. He didn't touch Lazarus, didn't mess with Lazarus, but he gave the opportunity that when God moved, Lazarus could respond. Amen. That's pretty deep there. You better, you better catch it before it gets by you. That's the reason that we pour so much time, prayer, and money into this stage up here for our worship team. And we try to, we try to love them and we, we try to get people up there that are anointed by God because they are the stone rollers. Because they roll the stone away so that when the voice of God begins to speak, Lazarus. Lazarus? Lazarus. Some of y'all think that we need to sing three chords of amazing grace and two courses of victory in Jesus and then call it a day and let the preacher pe- preach uh, a three-point sermon or a sermonette and we're going to go back to the house and you don't understand why we continually repeat these songs and all of that every time listen sometimes when the worship team seems like they are record stuck on one little chord and they won't move away from it it's because God is saying I'm trying to move a stone because there's a Lazarus in the house that needs to come out from the grave roll the stone away. When the stone was rolled away, I want you to catch this. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm closing. I'm working. I'm closing. I want you to get this. Jesus, when they took away the stone from the place where he was laid, Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me and I knew that you hear me always but because of the people which stand by I said it that you that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice Lazarus, come forth. Jesus said, Father, <clears throat> I know that you've heard me. I know that. That when I speak, you hear me? Do you have faith that says that when you, when you pray, the Father hears you? Father, I know that you hear me, but it is because of those who are standing around me that I am saying what I'm saying. And I'm doing what I'm doing. Because I want them to believe. <clears throat> And he, he called Lazarus to come out of the tomb. The Bible says when Jesus spoke the name of Lazarus, Lazarus, wrapped in his grave clothes, got up and began to hobble out of the grave. The second thing that Jesus did not do was he told somebody to take the grave clothes off of Lazarus. Here's the thing. Now, I want you to catch this. Three things. Three things, church. And this is going to bring revival. This is going to bring deliverance and healing to many people, if you'll get what I'm saying. Three things. Three things. First thing is, you need to become a mover of the stone. In other words, you need to become one that will do everything within your power to make the voice of God accessible to people around you. Push, pull, or drag. Get them in the house of God. If you catch them in Walmart, pour the Word of God on them. Follow them up and down the aisle. Jesus Jesus loves you. You need to go to church. Amen. Can I are you going to be in church Sunday? <clears throat> See, don't depend on somebody else to move the stone. God's called you to move the stone. The second thing is that you cannot, you cannot be the voice of God. It is only the voice of God that can bring the dead back to life. You can present it, you can move the stone, but the dead will only hear the voice of God. I don't care how loud you get, all that, The dead will only hear the voice of God. The third thing that God's called us all to do is remove the grave clothes. That is that God has called you and I to disciple and love those that have been called out of the graves. That have been called out of the dead places. God has called you and I to nurture them and love them and make sure That they're grave clothes free. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? Pastor, why are you preaching a message like that on Sunday morning after Easter? Because I believe that Lazarus is a picture of people that get caught up in things, carried away in things, that even though we serve a resurrected Savior, we are not able to walk in the power of the resurrection because we've gotten carried away by something. But I believe that God is saying it is time for you to walk out of what you've been carried into. Because I will not die on the cross again. I will not shed any more blood. I have already accomplished everything that you need to be accomplished in your life. I have already defeated the death that was at your doorstep. I've already defeated the grave that tried to capture you. I've already defeated every enemy of your life. I can do nothing else. Now, what you've been carried into, you're going to have to walk out of it by faith. Because the voice of God is calling your name. He's calling your name. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Think about this Lazarus, Lazarus. Lazarus, come forth. The voice of God speaks. The stone's been rolled away. Come forth. Maybe you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I'm a Lazarus. I'm a Lazarus. I've been bound. I've been closed in by this stuff in my life. But I believe this morning that I've heard the voice of God calling me to come out. If that's you this morning, I'm going to ask you, if you will, just to slip your hand up. And right back down, I believe God is calling me to come out of my dead place. I believe that God is calling me to come out of that place that I've been carried into. He's telling me to walk out of it. I tried to picture what it was like at the tomb of Lazarus that day. And I think it was something like we're experiencing right now. There wasn't any sound. There wasn't any music going on. As a matter of fact, everybody was looking at Jesus like he had lost his mind. Some of y'all are probably thinking the same thing about me. He has lost his mind. And all they could do, I believe, when Lazarus came forth out of that tomb was stand there with open mouths and eyes wide open because words could not describe what they were feeling. It was the power of God that had done the work.